John chapter 15, 5 says, says this. It says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. I'm going to read it just one more time. It says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I, am him, and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. You see, during this, this specific time uh, where Jesus is having this dialogue with his, with his disciples, they're, they're getting around him and they're gathering up and there's fixing to be a significant event, a significant change in the disciples' lives that Jesus is beginning to prepare them for and give them some understanding of who he is so that way they can be strengthened when Jesus has to go away for a period of time. You know, this is that basically the last conversation before, uh, before Jesus is crucified on a cross and he's, he goes into the tomb and that, you know, all that, these events are taking place. And Jesus is like, listen, I am the vine and you are the branches. And he begins to prepare them for a time of separation and uncertainty. Come on, how many of us have had these times of separation and uncertainty come upon us in our lives? You know, just as we can go through and we pray this morning, the reason we pray together and we comfort one another and we pray for the comforting of the Holy Spirit is because the, the, the reality is, is that we all go through these moments of separation. We go through these moments of anxiety. We go through these moments of uncertainty. But Jesus is making sure that he knows that the disciples know that they have the ability to abide in him. That he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And I think there's some significant things that God wants to reveal to us today as we just go through this and look at it. John 14.1, it says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. You see, we ignore many times in today's society issues of the heart. You know, I was just reading some research uh, on Barna uh, just this morning, in fact, and it was just talking about how many of the, the, the new generation, and, and even my generation included in that, live, have a very experiential type of philosophy. They're always trying to experience the new thing. Why do you think that, that roller coasters and, and movie theaters and all those types of sporting events are becoming so popular in these last 20 to 30 years. I mean, they've been popular before, but now it's, uh, I mean, it is a whole new level. You go to Disney World or Universal Studios, and it's all about the experience. But many times our experiences can lead us into a place that can do damage to our hearts. And we understand that, that, that the world has the ability through our experiences. That's why drugs and alcohol and, and all those things have such a great impact on us because they bring us out of our normal experience into a different experience. But Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. He didn't say, I'm hoping that you, your heart doesn't get troubled. He doesn't say, hey, I'm praying for you. Of course, he is praying for us right now in heaven. Jesus is praying for us. But he didn't say that. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You see, the, our hearts... And our minds have the ability to get troubled here on this earth. And that's what it's really about. It's an issue of the heart. The world perplexes us. It confuses us. People do things and it, makes, it brings hurt, pain, suffering. We recognize that there's a problem. That our hearts aren't, are not content. Our hearts aren't in a good place. 
But we refuse to recognize what's the solution. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. You know, the NIV version says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. The, the New Living Translation says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. You see, as we just come into an understanding that it's really a matter of our heart, we have to consider how is our heart, right? How is your heart today? Are you doing things to guard your heart with all diligence? Are you doing things that are above all else? Above all else. Come on, above all else is a lot of all else's. There's a lot of all else's that fall under that above. Above all else, guard your heart. Because out of it, what flows the issues of life? Out of it flows the issues of life. So what, what can we do to guard our heart? What does that mean even, to guard your, our hearts? You see, in today's uh, psychological world, right, we, we have come to the conclusion that everything that we do and think is, emanates from our mind, from our brain, right? From our brain. Well, during this time, there was, and still is today, that, that we recognize that there is an element of a, of a heart, right? That we, have a, a, we are a what? We're a spirit, that we have a soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And we live in a body. Come on, we, I hope everybody can realize that today. That we are created in the image and likeness of God. And as we're created, as he is a three-part being, we ourselves are three-part beings. Being a spirit that has a soul who lives in a body. And many times I try to explain it like this, that our soul can be the filter, right? Our body is what allows the different things to come into our soul, and that's what impacts our, our spirit, right? Our spirit is of God, and our spirit will return to God. But our soul is what we have. It's, what, it's, what, it's our mind, will, and our emotions. It's what drives us. It was, it's what makes us who we are on this earth. It's what gives us our personality. We have to guard our soul above all else. We have to guard that above all else. So just because you want something, does it, sometimes this may not be the best thing to have because we're guarding our hearts above all else. We're making intentional investments into our minds. We're making intentional investments into our, our will and into our emotions. As we line up ourselves with the, the, the mind and will of Christ, that we ourselves can become healthier in our mind and will. and we can become, It can begin to build up our emotional state. Luke 6.45, it says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. Come on, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of his heart, his mouth speaks. You see, I came to the realization that no matter how hard we try, how many of us recognize that, that, that we've got a language problem in our, in our schools with, amongst our young people, right? We've got a language problem. I mean, you talk to a kid, I mean, my word, the, it's embarrassing to me, you know? And I've, I mean, I worked in the oil field for many years, and I realized that, man, these kids are just the stuff that comes out of their mouth. Or how about the cursings that come out of our mouths as we just begin to talk to each other and gossip one to another, and it begins to plant seeds 
into other people's hearts of doubt and confusion and untrust towards other people. See, we can't really fix what comes out of our mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What we can't control is what comes in to our hearts. What's coming in? You know, many people, they try to put a filter on the output, on the output right? They try to put a filter on the output, so they just let whatever they want coming in, come on in. But then they try to control what's coming out. It's kind of like this as I was thinking about this whole concept. How many of y'all remember the, the fairy tale story about Rumpelstiltskin? Right? We have a bunch of like Rumpelstiltskin Christianity going on, right? Like we think that we can actually feed hay into this weave thing, right? Into the spinet, and out of it's going to come gold. You know? And, and then we, that's not how it works. It's not a Rumpelstiltskin Christianity. We don't, we, we don't have that ability to just let trash and filth come into our hearts and in our minds. And, and then I, we get to Sunday morning service, we're just speaking and smiling and happy and, and everything's good. And then we go to work and everything's happy and good and light. And now I'm a Christian, I'm set free. Just because Jesus died for our sins, we have the opportunity to make a real life change in our hearts. And we have the opportunity to begin to allow new things to come into us. And then out of the abundance of our heart, which is transformed toward Christ, now the mouth begins to speak life. It begins to speak truth. It begins to speak encouragement. It begins to speak health into those who are around us. You see, whatever we spend our time sowing into determines where we spend our time in the harvest. Right? What, where we spend our time sowing is, is where we're going to spend our time in the harvest. If you spend your time in junk and trash, that's where you're going to spend your time sowing, is in junk and trash. As a matter of fact, uh, in, in, the, in the book of Genesis, when God flooded the earth with, with water, and, and he reestablished, basically, through Noah, a new line for the, for the birth of a coming Savior, that he said that, that he made a few promises. He said, these are the things that the eternal laws, the eternal principles, that there will always be a seed time and a harvest. Come on, what we sow into, we're going to reap. Amen? If we sow the good things into our hearts, we're going to reap a harvest, an abundance, that which outflows goodness and godliness. But we have to do that, and how we do that is we begin to understand the principle of the vine. The principle of the vine. Not divine. The vine. The vine. If you could turn with me, if you want to turn into your, the book of Second Kings. I want to go there. Second Kings. We're going to go to chapter 4. And as I was reading this verse, I was asking Shannon the other day, I was just, as I was just preparing for this, for this message, God just began to reveal to me some things that I've never seen before. And I asked Shannon, I was telling, hey, where's this little story at that... I remember it just kind of God just reminded me of this story and I began to read it. And come on, the conviction of the Holy Spirit just, it, it just hammered me right there at, the, at my dining room, or my kitchen table. You know, tears coming to your eyes and I began, God, the, Holy, the conviction of the Holy Spirit just came upon me so strongly. Amen. Everybody at 2 Kings chapter 4? Well, if you're there, say amen. Amen. So 2 Kings 4, 38 through 40, I'm going to read that. It says, And Elisha, 
returned to Gilgal. Let me stop and I'll give a little perspective. So just before this, Elisha was going out doing mighty awesome miracles of God, okay? He was going out raising the dead and, and doing all the awesome things that Elijah does, right? So he comes back to the camp after that. I would encourage, I mean, if you haven't read this, go read it, obviously. But Elisha, he returned to Gilgal and there was a famine in the land. Come on, say famine in the land. Now the sons of the prophets were sitting before him, and he said to his servant, Put on the large pot and boil stew for the sons of the prophets. So he went out into the field to gather herbs and found a wild vine. I'm going to say a wild vine. And gathered from it a lapful of wild gourds. Say wild gourds. And came and sliced them into the pot of stew though they did not know what they were. Then they served it to the men to eat. Now it happened as they were eating the stew that they cried out and said, Man of God, there is death in the pot. And they could not eat it. it said, he said, they said, they cried out, Man of God, there is death in the pot. And they could not eat it. In this story, we see Elisha. He's going and doing the things that he does. He comes back and he's going, he's visiting there with the prophets. Come on, these weren't probably some wimpy men of God, okay? These were the prophets of, of Israel. These were the men that were being trained in the school of the prophets by none other than Elisha. And Elisha says, hey, I'm hungry, but there's a famine in the land. Come on, how, what are you doing to prepare for the famine that's coming? Let me tell you, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. There's going to be a time whenever there's going to be famine in the land. That may not be a, a, a corporate famine, it just may be a time of need or distress in your life. It may be a time of need or distress in your life. If you're not prepared for that, then you're going to begin to make mistakes. You're going to begin to make poor decisions because you're not prepared for what's coming ahead. You know, when I was, many times that I've, you know, like many of you do, lose weight, gain weight, lose weight, gain weight. You know, it's that whole concept of dieting, right? But I, I realize one thing. If I wake up in the morning and I don't have a plan on what I'm going to eat for that day, I go into total crisis mode and I'm eating at McDonald's and Burger King and Taco Bell or Sonic and Wendy's because I don't know which one I want, so I just go get them all and I, I eat at everything because, you know, you got to get it. The McDonald's has got the best fries. Burger King's got the best burger. You know, Wendy's has got the best little shake frosty thing. Sonic, I go get the after frosty thing, the, the slushy, you know, I mean, that's just crisis, total crisis. But there's a famine in the land today. There's a famine in the land today. As we look out into this world and we see on the news that there's a famine of spirituality, people are in a spiritual famine in our land. There's a, there's a, there's a famine today of the word. We live in a generally overall uh, word illiterate society. Where people don't read their Bibles. Why? Because it's just a bunch of fairy tales and it's a bunch of fluff. But the truth is, is that's the thing, that very word can become a seed that you can plant into your heart that will begin to bring and come forth as a harvest when it's time for, for that to come out. Come on, that's a good word. The truth is we have a famine of faith. Amen. A famine of the word, a famine of faith. Why? Because we're not planting and sowing seeds of the Spirit. We're not planting and sowing seeds of the word. We're not planting and sowing seeds of faith in our communities and into our young people. Come on, there's a famine in the land right now. And then we see in this story, Elisha, he looks at the prophets and he says, you know, 
I know there's a famine, but come on, go get the large pot. It's time to celebrate. Let's, let's eat something together. So what do they do? They send the servant. They send the servant. Now you've got this, this group of prophets. You've got all these accomplished men. You've got Elisha doing all these wonderful, great things, right? And instead of going themselves, they send others to go on their behalf. Come on, we live in a society where it's, as a church, we're just praying, God, send forth the laborers, right? The fields are white for harvest, send them forth. And that's a great prayer. But what happens when God says, uh, I'm, I'm here to send you forth. Come on, we need to develop a culture of going instead of sending. Come on, we need to develop a culture of going into the, go into all the world, making disciples and baptizing in the name of the Father and Son, the Holy Spirit. That's what the church is. We need to go instead of send. We need to sow into godly things and not the worldly. You see, the reason that they had to go pluck from the wild vine is because they hadn't planted of the righteous vine. All that they had left was the wild. Come on, in our world today, we have a world of wild vines. And what's it producing? Poisonous fruit. It's, pr- it's producing poisonous fruit. People don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. They don't know what to say. So what do they do? They just go out into the world and they find something that looks good. It looks pleasing. But it's the wrong vine. They get the wrong fruit. And they end up with death in the pot. Come on, how many of us are struggling with death in the pots of our lives? How many of us know people who are struggling with death in the pot? Why? Because they've gotten fruit from the wrong vine. And everything they begin to do seems poisoned. Everything they, do, they begin to do seems cursed. Everything they, they, they put their hands to fails. Because they don't have that righteous fruit operating in their lives. Practically, what does that look like? You know, we talked about our bodies. We talked about who we are, our soul. We talked about our spirit, right? Now we need to make sure and and feed those things and and take care of all all those things. And let me tell you, you are feeding it one way or the other. Your soul is, is being fed. It can be fed by junk on TV. That's producing fruit in your life. All that stuff on the TV is beginning to sow seeds of ideals and principles in your brain. And all those things are beginning to come out in the way you think about things, the way you react to people, the way you think about people. The truth is that we were made to look and search for something to fulfill, to perfectly line up our spirit, soul, and our bodies. And there's counterfeit vines out there. There's counterfeits. There's the vine of pornography. Come on, we talked about marriage earlier, how, how that marriage relationship can bring us into a perfect accord with God as God created us to be husband and wife. And when we get, begin to get outside of that by, through sexual immorality, it begins to bring destruction into our lives. And yeah, we don't even want to recognize it or even deal with it. But the truth is, is it's there and it's, people see it and, and God sees it. And you see it. You just refuse to recognize it. There's death in the pot. There's racism and separation, segregation. Come on, when people begin to look and judge others by the, not just the color of their skin, but, but, but the, the status of their social outcome. Come on, that begins to create death in the pot. We're searching down on the wrong vine and we're plucking and living in the wrong vine of racism or unforgiveness. Come on, how many, of us, how many people are there out there that just simply their whole life is about making 
right the wrongs that people have done to them. Right? They feel like it's a personal vendetta that they have to go out and, and, and seek vengeance amongst people who've done them wrong. Instead of just allowing God to abide in them that's with forgiveness. They make a whole livelihood out of unforgiveness. Man, they call over to, they go to the, to the, uh, to the barber shop, and then they plant seeds of unforgiveness at the barber shop. They go to the salon, you know, they start the gossip train. Well, how many of you realize that gossip is like a virus? It's like a virus is what it is. I, kinda, I can get it, and I, I can catch the virus of gossip, and then I can go tell you, and then you catch the virus, and then you go tell others, and next thing you know, it's a pandemic epidemic. And now everybody's gossiping about somebody. Come on, we, I, be the, I don't want to be a carrier of that virus. Well, I want to be healing of that virus. I want to break that chain of destruction. Or what about greed and financial gain? Hey, listen, I'm not trying to say we don't need money. That's the absolute truth. But God says in his word that, that we can only serve one master. We can't serve both money and God. We begin to pull from the wrong vine. We begin to live and, and, and function with a poisonous fruit in our lives. Why? Because... It says there, they didn't even know what it was. They didn't even know what it was. Many times it could be something that we're not even intentionally guilty of. Right? They were going to the best intentions, okay? But they failed to follow through with what they needed to accomplish. I heard a guy say one time, and I don't totally rem- uh, uh, agree with this, but, the, but the, the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Come on, it's not just about the intentions. It's about what we're, if we're abiding in the right place and going in the right direction. And if we're, we're actually in the right realm that God wants us in. No matter how much we, we, these uh, prophets or the servant intended for this fruit to be good so he can be a blessing to the prophets and all that stuff. The fact was it was a poisonous because it was of a wild vine. It was of an unknown fruit. They didn't even know what it was. The enemy is planting wild vines all around us. He's having perversions and, and, and false truths that are planted. They look really good. But in reality, they're poisonous. And when you bring them into the camp, they can poison the pot. And we can all catch it. We all have heard the term, the pity party, right? We need to connect into the right vine. We need to connect it to who Jesus said he was. Jesus said in John 15, 5, we can go, we'll go back there. John 15, 5, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If we go back to John 15, 1, In fact, Jesus says that I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that he may bear more fruit. 
You see here we have that principle that Jesus is the vine. And I just have this image of all these, these vineyards there in, in Jerusalem. And Jesus is probably walking along. I don't really know. And he's in a garden. And he's probably holding a vine and having this conversation and, and, and pointing out, you see, I'm the vine, that vine that, that gives you protection, that vine that as you stay connected to it, even in, even in the tough times, it'll, it'll eventually bring prosperity and fruit into your life. He says, you want fruit, you stay connected to the vine. You know, growing up, I remember going with my grandmother, and we'd go pulling uh, blackberries, right? Man, the thorns and all that stuff. But every once in a while, we would go to uh, a neighbor's house, and they had these uh, musky dines. Y'all ever had? Y'all ever seen musky dines? And uh, man, them things are all like huge, giant grapes, right? And they're they're typically found wild uh, in the wild, but they're also you can raise them domestically. And, and there's many times when you go and you find them in the wild, you eat them, they're very bitter and they're not very good. But for the most part, the domestic ones are pretty, pretty sweet and they're pretty good. But see, we, we have this Christianity that says that, that if we try to abide in the vine, we have to stay connected as a branch. We have to stay connected as a branch. If I go and I take that, clip myself off, right, I'm going to lose all that source of nutrition. There's not a single one of us that can survive alone outside of who Jesus is. No matter how mature we get, no matter how strong we get, no matter how fruitful we become, all, all that has to be done is it just goes to the, to the base of that branch and snipped off. And all of that fruitfulness dies away with it. We have to stay connected to Christ, to his teaching. But you see, Jesus, uh, Jesus says, I'm the true vine, and my Father is the fine dresser. You know, how many of us as a church, we want to, in our own good intentions, again, we try to be pruners of the vine. Come on, it's not for us to prune the vine. Whose job is it to prune the vine? That's the work of the Father. But our, our responsibility is simply to abide in the vine, to be fruitful in the vine, to follow Christ in the vine, to live in that place of happiness and contentment. You see, our hearts, as we get out from underneath that covering of Christ, it, begin, it begins to get polluted, just like the pot did there in the book of Second Kings. We need to remain connected to the true source of life and happiness. And as we stay connected to that source, come on, there's going to be a time of famine, but we're going to have the ability in Christ to sustain it. You know, we're, we're kind of moving into a, a new season. Most of you have noticed it's like 50 degrees outside in April. I love it. But, but that's how life works in seasons. So many times in life we go through this spring and the flowers are, are blooming and the, all the, 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 the trees are starting to make little buds and everything's getting colorful and light. The birds are chirping and all these other things. Life is so good. We're skipping and, and frolicking through meadows and all these other things, right? And then the summer hits and like, man, this is hot. It's hard. Come on, life is just like that. We have to stay abiding in that vine. And then fall comes. And you're like, oh, man, color's back. It's getting kind of cool. This is great. And then you realize that this is great because it's leading to a time of death in the winter. And in that winter time, it's like everything's gray and it's terrible. And it's like you just want to sit inside and it's like you don't even want to live anymore. And then there's Christmas. And then there's more death and destruction and, you know. 
But we have to understand that life is full of seasons. And no matter what season we're in, how important it is that we abide in Christ. Just because it's winter here doesn't mean that you say, you know what, I'm just going to fly down to South Africa where it's summer over there, okay? If you've got that kind of money, more power to you. But we have to abide in the vine of Christ. Just like that, there's different seasons. There's times of trial. There's times of struggle. The more we can stay connected and in that covering, the more fruitful we're going to be. That doesn't mean that we're going to produce fruit every single day, but that means that we're going to produce fruit in our due season, and our due time, and that fruit is going to be useful for the work of the kingdom that's going to be able to bring forth seeds that can be in the time of winter that can be planted and, and sown into uh, seeds of faith and seeds of the word and seeds of the spirit that way the next season comes around you have a vine that's planted where you can go back to and you can begin to so, uh, reap more fruit come on that's how life works that's what we do when we're abiding in christ verse 5 says in john uh, fifteen five, it says that if you abide in me that you're going to bear much fruit for without me you can do nothing And not just fruit, but useful fruit. Not fruit of the wild vine, but fruit of the true vine. The vine of Christ. As we submit ourselves to be the branches. In fact, it says in verse 7, it says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. How many of us go through life and we want to, we pray, 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 God, you're not answering my prayers. I mean, sure, that's not that God answers every single prayer. But as, as we begin to abide in our hearts through that vine of Christ, that God can begin to bring forth answers to our prayer. Jesus may not answer our prayers every time. I mean, there's a, a million reasons why not. But it may just be that we're not abiding in him. He says if we abide in him, what we ask he will do as we grow closer to him. Verse 9 says, As the Father loved me, I also loved you. Abide in my love. You know, as we move and we just function in the love of Jesus Christ. Come on, how many of you realize that the love of Christ is a sacrificial love? It's a love that transcends humanity. It's a love that transcends evil. It's a love that transcends sin. That the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Why? Because God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. As we abide in him, we abide in that love. And that love develops into our soul and it begins to feed us and we begin to bear fruits of peace, fruits of gladness, fruits of comfort. Verse 11 there says, "And And these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Come on, that's a, that is a powerful thing. How many of you want to just live a joyful life? Come on, I want to live a joyful life. That means I've got to realize that there may be some poison in my pot. There may be something that I need to deal with that I, that, that, that I allowed or somebody else put in there for me that's poisoning my soul, that's poisoning my heart. That is, I, I didn't put up enough barriers. I didn't guard my heart enough to say, and, and some things got in, and out of, out of me are coming out fruit of, of, that aren't joyful. It 
You know, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Come on, the joy of the Lord is my strength. This is the fruits of my strength. Why is that? Because let me tell you, if you ever met a real, truthful, joyful person, I mean, if you find this person, I don't recommend that you try this because that would just be kind of, kind of mean. But, you know, you meet somebody who's a Christian, there's nothing you're going to tell them that's going to bring them out of that joy. That no matter what, because why? Because, because we recognize that our salvation is secure in Christ. That I'm abiding in the vine. That no matter what circumstances comes against me, right, we're going to prosper. That God has made me more than a conqueror because I'm abiding in the vine. That doesn't mean that just Christianity is a one-day decision of salvation and then that's it. Boom. I'm going home, honey. Thanks, that was a beautiful wedding. No, you go home together to a new home. And you begin to live a new life, right? A new life with your husband or your wife. And you have to say, you know what? I mean, I can't just leave my clothes everywhere. And I can't, I have, can't just leave my dishes and, you know, my magical washing machine's broken. I had a magic washing machine when I was growing up. I just would throw my clothes on the bathroom floor. And then this washing machine that my mom had, they would just magically get folded back into my dresser drawers. Every t- I mean, it's, it's in, I don't know where this... Y'all need to buy one. I've been looking for one. Hadn't found it yet. I have to actually pick my stuff up. But that's what abiding means. It's similar to um, that marriage relationship. Come on, as soon as you begin to put your own will on that relationship, what happens? Strife, struggle, pain. I've heard uh, a, a great man of God told me one time, we were having a conversation. He said, Joe... You need to understand that marriage isn't 50-50. It's 100% 100%. And I want you to know that, that living in Christ and abiding in Christ, he gave like 199%. He just wants our one. But the truth is we need to give him everything that we are every single day. Verse 12, that you may command that this, that this my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You know, as we begin to abide in the vine, our very relationships will change. Because we're not so self-centered and self-focused any longer. We're not so concerned just about ourselves, But we want to make sure that we can sow seeds of righteousness into those around us. Those seeds of joy. Those seeds of transformation. Those seeds of change. The seeds of laying down ourselves. How many of you realize that for a seed to be planted, a fruit has to die? That it's not our responsibility necessarily to be the fruit that dies, but it's, the, it's our responsibility to bear the fruit that dies. As we're called to be branches. That we're fruitful. We're planting seeds. In closing... I just want to say this and just make this request and ask this question. So what have you put in your pot that has poisoned the stew of your life? You know, when I was sitting on that, that, that kitchen table there that, that day and I was sitting here reading that word and I read those words. Man of God, there is death in the pot. Man of God, there is death. In the pot. That, that, those words became so convicting to me. Why? Because I realized that there was things I was putting in my life that was causing death to come in. That, that doesn't mean I was eating it, but I can see it that there's areas that were not fruitful because, because I allowed 
death to come into the pot. I allowed the things of the world to intermingle with the things of God in my life. And Jesus just began to speak that we need to abide in him and and begin to plant seeds in our lives of fruitfulness. You know, in that story, it goes on to say that, that Elisha, he begins to, he recognizes that there was death in the pot. And then he says, he takes a little bit of flour and he, he mixes it in there. And he stirs it up. And then he says, you know, there's no more death, right? I believe that that's very symbolic of our salvation. And that no matter what situation, no matter what we've planted, no matter what wild fruit, wild gourds that we've put into that pot that's poisoned it, that Jesus says, I'm the true vine. You are the branches. My father is the, vi- the vine dresser. But you're going to begin to bear fruit. And you're going to begin to plant seeds that's going to, that's going to totally change that, that, that poisonous stew into a stew that's edible and useful for nourishment, for encouragement, for growth, for change. You know, the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Come on, that, those things that we've planted may not necessarily be those things that we've mixed in, that we've shredded into our stew, may not be some person. It may be some, something else. It may be something from your past that's just poisoned the pot. Jesus says, abide in me, and I will abide in you. That we may be fruitful. So right now, I just want to take these next few moments, if you can, as we just sit here, just take a moment, and just think about something that may be in your life. Something that, some wild vine, that you may have been mixing in to your life. What that may be. I believe that God wants to restore that in you today. Not just in a day, but every day. As God says that I am the true vine, and we can begin to grow and live abiding in His love. And we begin to replace that fear that we have, of the fear, that uncomfortableness with peace and joy. That we replace that greed with grace and mercy in our lives. That unforgiveness can become something altogether different. That the spirit of racism and separation can could turn into an evangelistic spirit within each and every one of us. As we look to mend walls and mend broken barriers and knock down those barriers of separation. As we abide in Christ, that sexual immorality will be the furthest thing from our hearts. I was reading uh, just uh, a couple of weeks ago that 
Now the average age for a, an individual to receive a, uh, a cell phone, a smartphone now is 10 years old. And then they had another statistic right, ne- right next to it that said that the average age that the first person, a person is encountered with pornography is 10 years old. Now, if you can't see that there's a correlation, I mean, you know, that we need to guard our hearts with all diligence. Because out of it flows the issues of life.